Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we've all written down a burden that we have, something that's heavy on our heart, and we lift that up to you right now. God, we ask that you intervene, that you change that situation. Lord, in the midst of all that, that you would rule above it all, that you would give us a peace that passes all understanding, that you'd be the calm in the midst of the storm. Lord, that you would heal our broken heart and our broken dreams and our broken hopes. Lord, that you would restore what was once taken from us and you would make things that were wrong, you'd make them right. And you would use even the worst moments, the worst times of our life, and you would turn those things around for our good and for your glory. You are God Almighty and nothing is impossible with you. And so we lay our burdens down. We cast all our cares upon you because you care so much for us. Thank you, God, for hearing our request. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, before I get into the message today, I want to make mention of this cool-looking, what do you call this? This is my table right here. This came all the way from our campus in Belize. A friend of mine named Mauricio, who works at our campus, put this together. It is absolutely gorgeous and weighs about 100 pounds. It is awesome. Awesome. This is my new table, and I'm going to use it every week. And every time you look at it, I want you to pray for Belize. I want you to remember the people of Belize. We had the opportunity to go on their national channel uh, because of your generosity. We have almost 14,000 people in Belize that watch our services every single weekend. So we're very thankful for that. Very thankful. Well, we're in the middle of a series called Mixtape, and uh, today we're going to talk, well, there's three topics that every person wishes the preacher would talk about. One is sex, uh, second one is uh, the end times, and the third one is will there be sex in the end times? That's pretty much how that one works out for you, to be honest with you. So today, we're going to talk about sex, and if you do have little ones in here, you might want to go ahead and exit them on out, because we are going to talk about some personal things, and we're going to be pretty intimate about this conversation, so don't, uh, don't uh, feel like you have to have your child in here for this. Our kids' ministry is wonderful. Uh, you can go take your child over there, and then you can come back in. I, I was reading an article by Ann Landers that she got years ago from a woman who got a letter, Ann Landers got a letter from this woman who was talking about her parents and what they were doing for their 50th wedding anniversary. This is what she wrote. She said, Dear Ann, last weekend we celebrated my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. This morning they left on a long-awaited trip to Hawaii. They were as excited as if they were on a honeymoon. When my parents got married, they only had enough money for a three-day trip 50 miles from home for their honeymoon. They made a pact then that each time they made love, they would put a dollar in a special metal box and save it for the honeymoon to Hawaii for their 50th anniversary. Well, Dad was a policeman. Mom was a school teacher. They lived in a modest house and did all their own repairs. Raising five children was a challenge, and sometimes money was short. But no matter what emergency came up, Dad would not let Mom take any money out of the Hawaii account. Well, as the amount grew, they put it in the savings account, and then they bought some CDs. My parents were always very much in love. I can remember Dad coming home and telling Mom, I've got a dollar in my pocket. And she would smile at him and say, I know just how to spend it. 
When each of us children married, mom and dad gave us a metal box and told us their secret, which we found inspiring. Mom and dad never told us how much money they managed to save, but it must have been considerable because when they cashed in those CDs, they had enough for airfare to Hawaii, plus hotel accommodations for 10 days and plenty of spending money. Before they boarded the plane, dad winked and said, tonight we start an account for Cancun. I thought you'd enjoy the story about 50 great years of intimacy and marriage from a loving daughter in Abilene, Texas. Isn't that a great story? I mean, some of you are going to go and buy a metal box and you're going to start saving $1 at a time. All of us read a story like that or hear a story like that and something resonates within us, doesn't it? And we're like, I want that kind of relationship. I want that kind of a marriage. I've told you before that Christy and I, our big goal is to be still alive in our 80s, walking around a, a lake or a pond or a river or an ocean, taking hits off each other's oxygen tanks, making out, you know, making out in the car, grossing out the teenagers when they pull up next to us, you know? That's the kind of couple that we want to be. The Bible says this about marriage. The Bible says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, now notice the Bible says that they became one flesh. So, so let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex in the confines of marriage, which is the way God intended it to be. And let's talk about sex outside the confines of marriage, all right? Three points I want to make about sex. First one is this. Sex bonds two people together in an intimate relationship of marriage, all right, to be bound together, to be united as one flesh, where you cannot tell where one ends and the other begins. Now, now sex is more than just the physical union of two people. It's also the spiritual union of two souls. Sex between two people is a very holy thing. Now, I know that there are people today, and our, we live in a culture today that doesn't see it that way, that they see a sex as nothing more than just a physical act that you do with somebody else. You can do it on the first date. You can do it on the 50th date, but it's not that big of a deal. Well, I, I beg to differ on that. I, I think that it's an awful big deal. For, for, for example, uh, sex outside of marriage many times will bring about shame, won't it? Many times it will bring about regret. Let me ask you a question. If you, don't think, if you think that sex is nothing more than just something that happens to two people, physically speaking, then explain to me after you've been with this person, I don't know, one time, or you've been with them for a month, or you've been with them for a year, and then you break up, and you've been intimate in this manner with each other, why is it you can't stand each other anymore? Why is there such hatred towards that person when the relationship ends? I mean, in the beginning, it was all about Instagram, right? It was all about the Snapchat and the Facebook, and we're in a relationship, and you changed your status and all that, and it was picture after picture after picture, but then you broke up, and now you can't stand that person. You hate that person. You go back to social media, delete, 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 change that, I'm no longer with him. Single now, right? Why is that? It's because you've been rejected at one of the deepest levels you can be rejected in. You gave yourself to the other person, and a piece of you is still with them, and you know it. 
when two people come together and all of a sudden they separate, they go their own separate ways, trust me, there are pieces that go with you because it's more than just two people physically getting together. There's a soul, two souls are meshing together. So when that breaks apart outside the confines of marriage, when people are opening the gift that God has given us of sex before marriage, guess what? You have all kinds of emotional scars. You have all kinds of self-esteem scars. People begin to walk around going, what's wrong with me? Why didn't they want to be with me? I gave them everything that I had. And they feel a form of rejection like they've never felt before. And there's physical issues as well, right? You have sex before marriage. You could get a disease. And, of course, the spiritual connotations is amazing. You feel a distance between you and God. I mean, some of us are watching me right now. Some of us are in this room, and, and, and you're living with your, your boyfriend. You're living with your girlfriend, and you're here, but you don't feel a closeness with God. How could you? You're doing that exactly opposite of what God wants for your relationship, what God wants for your future. And because of your sin, well, it's causing a weight on you, isn't it? I mean, if you truly are a follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit really lives inside of you, there's going to be guilt with all this. There's going to be shame with all this because you are outside the very will of what God wants for your married relationship. Did you notice that it says that Adam and Eve were safe and secure with each other? There was no shame in the garden. There was no regret. They were naked and they were okay with it. Sex outside of marriage, you don't see that. There's a lot of hiding. There's a lot of lying. There's a lot of cover-up that goes with all that. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. Let me give you the second thing about sex. Is that God gave us sex for the pleasure of the, of the married couple. Bob Russell writes in kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of way that there's two reasons why God made sex to be pleasurable. He said, number one, is to motivate people to get married. All right, before you get married, you've been pure in that whole thing, and you're like, I can't wait. And then ton and cheek, he says, the second reason God made sex to be pleasurable is because men would never get married if they couldn't get sex. <laughs> and, and that's true, isn't it? Why, why are people waiting so long to get married today? Average age now for a girl is 29 years old. Average age for a guy to get married is 30 year, over 30 years old. Why, why are they waiting so long? You already know the answer, don't you? From time to time, I'll meet a couple. Now, this isn't the case for every couple that I've ever had an encounter with. Uh, so we, we don't want to, you know, speak in too much of a generality here. But there are couples that have been together for a long time that have main, re, maintained sexual purity. So I'm not saying that that's not possible. But for the most part, you and I both know that's probably not happening. So I always go to kick everyone. I meet a couple, and they're together. And I say, hey, man, how long have you been together? And the girl says, we've been together six years. I said, that's a long time. She said, I know. And I look at the guy, and I go, hey, man, six years, that's a long time to be together. What, what, what are you waiting on? I mean, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it, right? That's what happened right there. Are, are you thinking that you're going to learn something about this girl that's not, not going to be, you know, you just don't want to be with her? What's, what's the deal? You think you're going to learn some newfound thing about her after six years being together? And the girl's, like, looking at him like, yeah, what he said right there. You and I both know why he's not getting married. Why should he? He's already getting everything he wants. And he's getting it without having to be committed to it. So he thinks that he's living in paradise. How many times have you had a conversation with somebody? 
and they're having sex outside of marriage, right? And they're like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I mean, if you went and bought a car, wouldn't you test drive the car first? You ever heard that? Do you know how condescending that is to say that about a woman? Or to say that, you never hear a woman say that about a guy. So she was going to say, it's condescending about a woman, isn't it? You never hear a couple of girls go, wait, we've got to test it out like a car, you know? You never, it's always guys that do this kind of thing. Do you realize how condescending that is? Here, here's what's interesting. Uh, cars don't have a soul. People do. Cars don't have emotion. People do. Cars you can ride for thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. And when they get older, you can trade that car in for the latest, greatest, newest model. And that car won't be hurt, not for one single second. But people get hurt. And the last time I checked, we're supposed to leave people in better shape than the way that we found it. Let's just say for what it is, the only one place where you should be test driving a car, and that's at a car dealership. But we don't test drive human beings who are made in the very image of God, who have a soul placed inside of them. Let me give you the third thing about sex. Is that God created sex in marriage to have babies so that kids are raised in safe, stable, and healthy environments. What's one of the biggest issues we have going right now in our world is we've got kids that are being raised without a mom. We've got kids today being raised without a dad. And study after study after study has shown that when you have a mom and a dad and a household, it all of a sudden brings about stability. It brings about security. And my goodness, when you have two Christian people who actually put Jesus as the centerpiece of their home, they're praying together, they're worshiping God together, they're seeking God together, that child grows up in a very stable and safe environment. You're setting that child for future years to absolutely Absolutely sore. So what I'm trying to say is, is if you're married, you should have all the sex that you can have. Why? Because God is good all the time. And if you're not married, stop. Stop doing that which is hurting you and wounding you and wounding your relationship with God and wounding your relationship with the person that you say you care so much for. Be honorable to the Lord and do what God would have you to do. So let's shift now. Let's talk about sex and the confines of marriage. How do we have the best sex possible? How can we have sex with more frequency than ever before? Well, I'm going to spend the rest of my time, for the most part, talking to the guys. Because guys, it really is up to us. If we do certain things, she'll be more than willing to be intimate with us again and again and again. The reason why many times we get the no's that we get is because we don't know what in the world that we're doing, okay? So let me, let me help you out, okay? I'm going to give you a little quote. I've shared this quote before. It's a great quote. If you want the stove hot at night, you got to light the pilot in the morning, okay? Just write that down right there, guys. Just write that down. I remind myself that if you want the stove hot tonight, you got to light the pilot in the morning. Yeah! What are we talking about? <laughs> talking about affection. Affection, gentlemen, is not sex. At least that's what my wife tells me all the time, okay? You say, what in the world is affection. Now, I feel embarrassed to even have to share these things with you, but here we go. 
We show affection first off to our wives by touching her. Affection means that you hold her hand. It means you put your arm around her. It means you open up the door for her. Now, here's what's interesting. You knew that already. And when you dated, you did that all the time, didn't you? You held her hand all the time. You put your arm around her all the time. You just couldn't get enough of her. And she had to take karate classes to keep you off of her, didn't she? Like, look, oh, oh, right? That's what had to happen right there. Because you just wanted, you just wanted her so much, you wanted to show affection to her so much. And then you got married. Now you don't hold her hand anymore. You don't put your arm around her anymore. You let her get her own door. Sometimes you let the door slam right in her face, right? That's what you do. There was a woman. She was starving to death with her marriage. She was struggling. So she grabbed her husband. She said, we're going to go see a marriage counselor. He didn't want to go. So he came with a really bad attitude, and they sit there. Counselor couldn't even get a word in edgewise. The woman just going on and on and on and on and on and on. Wouldn't stop talking. Finally, the counselor got up from her table, walked around the side, picked that woman up, and gave her the biggest kiss she had had in years. Then he sat her right down. Did that in full view of the husband that was sitting right there. Well, the husband stood up, and he looked deep into the eyes of the counselor. And the counselor said, your wife is starving from affection. She needs a kiss like that three times a week. And the man, without missing a beat, said, fine, I'll bring her in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> You can, we're sick. You know that? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28. You ready? In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Why do women fall into affairs? The number one reason, study after study after study, is they didn't get affection at home. Nobody was talking nice to them. Nobody was holding their hand. Nobody was showing them love throughout the day. Nobody was checking on somebody else. And guess what? Somebody else at work, somebody, some other friend began to notice them, began to say nice things to them. And all of a sudden, those flirtatious feelings came right back to the surface again. They felt like they were young and they felt like they were alive. That new person was giving that which the husband was only supposed to give. But he grew lazy and complacent somewhere along the way. And he lost his wife as a result. We show affection by touching her. We also show it in our words. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You don't raise your voice to your wife. You don't yell at her. You don't say condescending things about her. You don't try to put her in her place. We've talked about this three weeks in a row. You don't try to win the argument. You try to reconcile. You try to make sure that each person walks away from the argument feeling better about themselves than they did feeling worse about themselves, right? In our words. How long has it been, gentlemen, since you told your wife that she's beautiful? And how often do you do that? And how often do you share with your bride a thank you for all the things that she does? Thank you for taking care of this, and thank you for taking care of that, and thank you for serving me in this way. When's the last time you just thanked her for the things that she does every single day for you? Why don't you notice those things? Why don't you offer a word of gratitude? I, I tell you what, men, why don't you thank your wife for saying I do to you? Because contrary to popular opinion, there probably wasn't a long line of girls waiting for that job. Now, was there? But she took it. And I'm thankful every single day that my wife said yes when I asked her 
to marry me. And ladies, let me talk to you for just a second. When's the last time you told your husband you're proud of him? When's the last time you honored him? When's the last time you let him know that you are his biggest fan? You said an encouraging word to him and you meant it with everything you had. And you do this day after day after day after day. A man needs to know that he's your hero. That he can come through for you. That you see things in him. That you believe things in him that nobody else sees and nobody else believes. Are you bringing words of life or are you bringing words of death? Because that's our two options, right? Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. With our words, we can crush somebody. And you know that because you've probably been crushed. With our words, we can rob somebody of their dreams and tell them that they're less than than what God wanted them to be. But with our words, we can build somebody up. With our words, we can bring hope in a hopeless situation. We can remind people of the love that we have for them and the love that God has for them. We can help them soar based upon the words that we choose to say. So we show affection in our touch. Doesn't that sound silly that i got to tell you that? And then we show affection in our words. Let, Let me give you one more. We show affection in our time. Guys, how long has it been since you've been on a date? And I'm not talking about stopping through Chick-fil-A on the way home. Um, Just the two of you. You got a babysitter. You went out to eat. And you had a nice time. And maybe you went and saw a movie. Maybe you went hiking. But you just went and did something that both of you enjoy. How long has it been? And guys, how long has it been since you've been the initiator of this? I'm going to tell you right now, this message has convicted me because it's been a long time since I've dated my wife the way she needs to be dated. In fact, there are several things that I've been sharing with you that I need to apply to my life just as much as you need to apply to your life. To have the marriage that I say that we should have, I've got to apply these things as well. How long has it been since you took your wife out on a night with just the two of you so you could reconnect the souls with each other, have focused time, have focused attention with each other? And gentlemen, how long has it been since you were the initiator of it? I mean, usually it's the wife that says, hey, you want to go out to eat tonight? Why why, why can't we do that? Well, when you dated her, you said, hey, you want to go out Friday? You want to go out Saturday? And and she said, yes. And then you planned it, didn't you, gentlemen? I'm hoping that you didn't pick her up while you were dating and say, hey, what do you want want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? You want want to eat something? You want to eat something? Where do you want to eat? I don't know where you want to eat. I don't know where you want to eat. I don't know where you want to eat. I don't care. Wherever you want to eat, it's what I want to eat. That's what I want to do. Whatever you want to do is what I want to do. And we thought that was being a gentleman by doing that. It's lazy is what it is. Go for it. Have a plan. Have an agenda. And and ladies, if your husband asks you out on a date this next week and he takes you someplace you don't want to go, don't tell him. Just put a smile on your face and say, he's trying. And that's awesome right there, right? Can Can you imagine a married relationship? 10 years 15, 20, 25 years out, and they're still affectionate with each other. They're still holding hands. He's still opening the car door for her. He's still telling her how beautiful she is. She's still encouraging him. Can you imagine? And they're still going out on dates, and they're having the time of their life because they're taking care of what needs to be taken care of. Of course, you can do the opposite of that if you want. You you can ignore everything I just said. Just, Just don't touch her until you get into bed. See what happens. 
You know, don't, don't tell her she's beautiful. Don't tell her she's wonderful. Don't thank her for anything. You know, don't, don't be encouraging of him. See how close and intimate you two of you are. And never go out on a date, you know. Keep, keep going through the drive-thrus. Do you think doing those things is going to enhance your relationship? No, it's going to tear your relationship apart. And that's not what any of us have. That's not what any of us want. All right, there's some things we can do to make our sex life better, and there's some things we can do to make our sex life work. So worse. So this is for both folks. You ready? Say something derogatory about their body. I, I don't know if you understand this or not. I've rarely met a person. In fact, I'm not even sure I've ever met a person who, who would look at me and say that they are completely content with their body. I, I've never met very many people, if any at all, who, who stand in front of a mirror and go, I am smoking hot. You know, I've just, uh, I mean, everything is right where I want it to be. It's just perfect. I mean, I, I don't want a little more here, a little more. I mean, I am it. I, I've never really met anybody like that, you know. You see these interviews on TV with the most beautiful people, they say, on the face of the earth. And you hear them say, well, I wish this was different. And I'm insecure about this. And what about this? And we're like, what are you talking about? So, th so then you get married. And you're in this intimate moment. And you say something derogatory about the other person. That's a good way to never see that body part of that person ever again. One of the most sensitive things that we have as males and females is when we make ourselves vulnerable to the other person and we find that the other person rejects something about us. So never, ever say something derogatory about the other person's body. That's a good way to wreck your sex life for quite some time. Let me give you another one. Keep asking her to do something she isn't comfortable doing in the bedroom. And we can vice versa that one as well. Here, here's how it works. God put two of you together to enjoy sex in the confines of marriage. And whatever the two of you are comfortable doing, have a good time. But if one of you wants to do something that the other one doesn't want to do, let it go. Don't force your will. Don't keep bringing it up again and again and again. Don't make that person feel guilty as if they are somehow less than. Just let it go. And enjoy the things that the two of you agree on. Let me give you the third one. Look at porn. I can't even tell you the number of men and women who look at pornography and it just absolutely jacks them up. And they're building up appetites inside of them that will never, ever be satisfied. And then they're hiding this kind of thing. And then when their spouse sees that they've been watching this kind of stuff, looking at this kind of stuff, they feel a deep level of betrayal. And why wouldn't they? Jesus said, if anyone looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery with her. You've committed adultery on your spouse when you look at those kinds of things. You've clouded your mind with images and pictures of things that God doesn't want in your mind. And it doesn't enhance your sex life. Study after study shows that people look at this stuff, it just jacks them up. It just messes them up. So get rid of that stuff if it's in your life. You're going to ruin your sex life with your spouse. Now, let me talk to the ladies here for just a second. I'm going to go out. Here I go. I'm going to go for it here, all right? If you ladies, there's some things you can do to spice up the sex life, and there's some things you can do to mess it up as well. You ready? First one is this. Come to bed with something sexy on. That would spice it up a lot. Those flannel PJs, you need to burn them in the backyard. 
Okay, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I, a man is attracted to a woman through his eyes. And, and a woman is attracted to a man through her ears. And we made the joke, that's why every ugly guy in this room ended up with a beautiful woman, right? Because he learned the art of conversation while they dated, and then he forgot about it after they got married, right? Listen, men love to be with their wife, and they love it when their wife fixes themselves up, looks beautiful, comes to bed, looking good. Look at this. Song of Solomon, chapter 4. He's going on and on about the beauty of his wife. Look, look what he says here. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veils are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Don't try that one at home, guys. It's not going to work too good for you. This is my favorite one. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. He's just glad she's got teeth. You know what I'm saying? She's like, she's got all of her teeth. They're twins. That's awesome. Aim high, Solomon, aim high. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon, a mouth that is lovely. He's just kind of working from the top of her head all the way down through her body. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of a pomegranate. Does it just me, but she doesn't sound too attractive, does she? Your neck is like the Tower of David. I think I'll stop right there at the neckline. But he doesn't. If you continue to read through the passage, he just talks on and on and on about the beauty of his wife. Your attractiveness to your husband, it's a self-esteem booster for him. He walks into a restaurant, walks into a room with you on his arm. He's like, yeah. <laughs> She's with me. So wearing makeup, splashing on some perfume, Shaving those legs. <laughs> Coming to bed with something sexy on. You can enhance it. Or you can come with a potato sack. It's up to you. <laughs> Let me give you another one. If you want to take the spice out of your sexual life, keep telling him no when he wants to be intimate with you. Now, let me... Do a disclaimer on this one. Because if a woman said yes every time a man wanted to have sex, she'd be in serious trouble. Okay? So obviously there's going to be times when a woman has to say no. Uh, you know, not no, but, you know. This is what a healthy sex life looks like. At, le at least twice a week. Two to three times a week is a healthy sex life. But, but I know couples. Because I've been in the counseling sessions with them. And she'll say no for weeks at a time. Months at a time. You got guys that come in and they say, I haven't had sex with my wife for four months. That's messed up. And all she can say is no. I was reading a book the other day by Dr. Willard Harley, and he shares this compelling illustration. Maybe it'll help wives understand their husband's desire for sex. This is what he writes. He says, suppose there was a stool with a glass of water on it. The husband was next to the stool where he could easily reach the water. The wife is next to the husband, but she's immobilized and can't quite reach the water. The wife turns to her husband and says, would you please pour me a glass of water? I'm getting thirsty. The husband responds by saying, I don't really feel like it. I'm not in the mood. Maybe in a couple of hours. The wife says, well, I'm really thirsty now. And the husband says, it's been a long day. I'm too tired to get you a glass of water right now. 
The next day, the wife, is, has, having gone without water, says again, will you please give me a glass of water now? The husband says, why do you always have to ask for water? I'll give you a glass when I'm in the mood. And the wife can feel her temperature rising. She's not happy. She's thirsty. And the only person who can give her water is her husband. So she begins to demand it, and the husband glares at his wife and says, you're not going to get any water with an attitude like that. The next day, the husband finally says, okay, here's your water, but drink it fast. And don't be telling me you're thirsty again tomorrow. And the wife drinks, but she does so with bitterness and frustration. And that's how your husband feels when you keep telling him no over and over and over again. Let me give you one more. Use sex as a form of punishment. Now, this goes for both of you. Hold a grudge. Hold back sex. Say, because you did that, you're not going to get any of this for a week or so. Use it as discipline so that you can teach them never to go down that path and to never do that thing ever again. That's just sin. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 and 5, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If you want Satan to get a foothold in your marriage, just hold sex over the other person. Your marriage will be well on its way to being full of bitterness and disappointment and frustration. So let's wrap this up. Wives, sex is to a husband what conversation is to a wife. Imagine for a second, ladies, that your husband refuses to talk to you for weeks at a time. It would devastate you. In the same way, when you say no to him for weeks at a time, it doesn't bring about intimacy. It doesn't bring about oneness. It doesn't bring about closeness. I can't believe I've got to say this, but if you're married, have lots of sex. And if you're single, stop it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, this is an area of our married relationship and our singleness that we can really mess up. And most of us carry scars and regrets over poor choices that were made, bad decisions. We played with the gift that you gave us, and we messed up, and we messed somebody else up along the way. And Lord, I pray that you would heal all that that you would make all that right. Lord, for those who are struggling in their singleness and struggling with their sex drive, I pray that they would lean upon you for strength, that you would help them. And Lord, for those who are in a relationship that might get more and more serious as time goes by, help them to stay pure. Help them to put up safeguards so they don't find themselves in a place that they don't want to be doing that which would be not honorable to you and to each other. Lord, I pray for the married couples that are here. It is easy to fall into bad habits and to say things we shouldn't say and to treat the other person in ways that we shouldn't treat them. And then there's a distance and there's a level of hurt 
Lord, I pray that forgiveness would be offered and that forgiveness would be accepted and that from this point forward, we would do better, that we would follow your word and Lord, that we would have the kind of intimacy that you always wanted us to have. Lord, you're the one that said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good when we treat each other this way. Help us to be wise with the gift. Help us to be wise in our marriages. We ask this in Jesus' name.